following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Sports NBA show. Cross green. Cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Hey everybody, this is Zandrick Ellison. And in a lot of ways, I think I'm like you. You know, growing up. I loved basketball and I loved watching basketball and playing basketball with my friends, even if I wasn't very good or playing fantasy basketball or NBA 2K. I poured a lot of my teenage years into that. And in hindsight, it's easy to understand why when you're a chubby and socially awkward kid, it's not like you have a lot of options. It's not like girls were beating down my door. I didn't have much else to do. But now that I'm adult, I still love basketball and I find myself wondering why. Like, I understand it's just a silly game. Like, it's just guys putting a ball through a hoop and two points here and three points there. Like, why do we care so much? Like, why do we care at all? But to me, there's a beauty to basketball and to sports. And one of the reasons is it's one of the only true meritocracies in life. Like, all around us, we see people with inherent advantages or disadvantages, but not in basketball, not on the court. When everything's fair and the refs are clean and the urine's clean, it is one of the true meritocracies in life. Let the best man win. But the other reason I really love it is it creates this communal conversation. It's a shared interest. You could talk about basketball with your friends or your neighbors or your neighboring countries. Like you could literally have a conversation about Steph Curry and James Harden with a kid in Indonesia you've never met before. But a lot of times if you're like me, you kind of tread lightly in conversations like that and small talk. Like if you're talking with an Uber driver or an in-law at Thanksgiving and they say they love basketball, you're still not really sure what that means. So you kind of test the waters. You like lob a softball and you're like, like, what do you think of LeBron on the Lakers? And if they say something like, yeah, 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 LeBron, he's great, man. You know, he's the GOAT, LeBron. Like, you know, it's kind of a casual fan. Are you going to leave it at that? But if they respond with, you know, oh, you know, I'm not really sure about their spacing and whether they're actually going to play JaVale Min- McGee heavy minutes or they're going to go small. Like, you know, you're dealing with your kind of guy. This is somebody you could actually have a gun conversation with. This is actually like a new basketball friend. And more than anything, that's the intention of this podcast. We want to be your basketball friends to talk about it with and enjoy the game at the same level you do. So that's what the show is. I'm Zandrick. My co-host is Tyler, and this is the Underdog Sports NBA show. Welcome. Tyler, how are you doing? Zan, I appreciate the uh, long intro. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree a little bit. You know, I, I don't agree that all things are equal in the basketball court. I think that well, you know, unless you're Chris Paul whining at the refs, but and I don't agree we're on the same level because I should say I'm just kind of a casual fan and a long wind up intro kind of guy. But you're you're more of I would consider the basketball expert between the two of us. You coach, you watch games and break down, right? I mean, did you watch preseason games and rewatch them? I've watched some. I can't say I've rewatched any preseason games, and I and I won't rewatch a ton of games during the year that I that I don't watch live. I will watch replays of stuff to try to make sure that I kind of understand what's going on on a different level, and we you know we can talk a little bit about why 
you know, the Heat are winning more games than they should or something's going on with the Rockets if they don't win 67 games this year and all that stuff. But yeah, I wouldn't consider myself an expert. Expert in giving opinions for sure, Zan. So, but I appreciate the uh, that type of intro. Well, you know what it, like a slip screen is. If that comes up, you, you know how to like break it down the X's and O's for us. I do, I do. And I think uh, we'll, we'll save the casual listener from getting too bored with that. But I do think uh, obviously the N- NBA starts... On Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday. So, Zan, I think the idea for this show is to do a little bit of a preview of both the East and the Western Conference, right? Well, yeah, I want to put your knowledge to the test. As a coach, this is a good way. You could, you know, maybe get the Minnesota job after this. And the way we thought we'd break down the preview is do like a wins pool draft. So we're going to go back and forth and pick teams based on regular season win totals. And then add them up at the end of the year and see who is right. And what does the winner get? Have we decided on that yet? I'm not sure. Bragging rights? I don't know if I can afford to lose any more money sports betting. My, my wife literally might leave me if we bet a sum of money that I can't afford to lose. Because it's, it's been a bad year so far. College and, and, and uh, NFL uh, football has not been. Yeah. And a good idea is if anyone has ideas for stakes and also for little bets along the way, MVP draft, you know, who's going to win this week, etc. But let's get into the wins pool. Again, it's just regular season wins. We're not making, you know, title predictions, you know, Golden State. But um, let's get into it. So we're going to go East and then West. And so you drew first pick in the East. Yep. And with that pick, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Boston. Uh, I think they're going to be, I think they're a pretty strong favorite to win the East. Uh, I think they're as deep as any team in the league. From a wing standpoint, they have a ton of good players. The idea that, you know, they can close games with three guys like Tatum, Jalen Brown, maybe even, you know, Markeith Morris, but also Gordon Hayward if he's back healthy around Horford and then Kyrie at the one, or they can play defense with Rozier and Smart. I think they're as deep a team as there is in the league. And then I, I of course, think they're as well coached of a team. I think their current Vegas over-under is 59. I think they are definitely going over. I feel like if there's one 62 to 65 win team in the East, it's, it's Boston. Well, and also you, the depth is key for, you know, potential a team that's reliant on Kyrie Irving. And they're not really that reliant on him. I noticed he played 72 games one time out of seven years. And normally that would be a big concern. But when you have depth like Boston does, you figure you could ride on without them. And they showed that last year. So I think that's a smart pick. I I do think, too, just to stay on Boston for one second before we go to your first pick, I I think that Boston, I I am a little bit concerned. I don't think the jump for Jason Tatum is going to be as as huge as everyone thinks. Like just oh, he's the it went from a rookie to a sophomore. I think he's very polished already. So I'd be a little bit hesitant of like just immediately penciling in Jason Tatum as like a third team all NBA guy. I also do agree with you that with Irving, I think you can only really rely on 65 to 70 games plus the playoffs. It's just how they are. They're really smart. So what they get from those other guys, I think Jalen Brown can take another leap. I think Marcus Morris is really important for them defensively. They found ways to play Aaron Baines. You know, Semio Jaley's a guy that can come off the bench and really guard. So I think their ability to, over an 82-game season, get minutes from you know, guys 10, 11, and 12 in their rotation is what sets them apart from the rest of the Eastern Conference. Well, and also you would normally worry about the egos on a star-studded team like that. But if you're Jason Tatum and you're in your second year and he, what's he, like 20 or 21? He's young. You really, yeah, yeah, you really can't complain about your shots on a 60-win team. I mean, you have plenty of time to be that all-star down the road. Um, so I think with that first pick, you were probably debating Boston-Toronto. So you're, you're leaning to Boston there. 
That's like I, the I think Boston. I, I would be pretty stunned if Boston didn't win the East by you know five to six games. I, I think there's that big of a at least a gap if you, all things considered, just coaching, talent, organization. Like we know, Danny Ainge, if he needs to make something happen, will probably get the better end of the deal. I just think right now they're the best franchise in the Eastern Conference. Well, and that kind of I don't think it's the gap is as big. I'm going with Toronto number two, kind of an obvious pick, but. We all have to remember that Toronto won 59 games last year, four more than Boston. Their point differential was three points better. Theoretically, they should be better with Kawhi Leonard. I think Nick Nurse is an upgrade on Dwayne Casey. He's been there before, but now he gets like free reign. Um, and again, the same with Boston. The depth is just there for the regular season. This is a team sadly built for the regular season usually. But I, I love the depth. I love you know CJ Miles and Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright, OG. Those guys I mentioned, all shots, 36% are over from three. I mean, it's just a stacked roster. And I don't see any reason why they wouldn't win at least 52 games, 53, 54. What do you think? Yeah, I I mean, I think they're good. I I worry a little bit about the Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry fit just because Kyle has – in the past, I, I first of all, I just think Kyle's tremendous. Like, I think he's a really good player. Um, but I do think, you know, he was really close with DeMar DeRozan. He is clearly not happy with the organization making that deal. Kawhi, a little bit of a, you know, kind of a knock that we didn't know. He was always this quiet guy. And then all of a sudden, the situation in San Antonio just kind of burns to the ground. And he just sort of detonated the bridge on his way out the door. I don't know how healthy he is. If he's healthy, he's one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best five players in the NBA. So I, I do like him as an upgrade to DeRozan. I don't love, you know, they have Danny Green, who I, I think is, you know, a, a good role player as well. They got him back in that deal. I, I really don't love their rim protection. I worry about them being able to get stops at the rim. Poito was really important for that on their second unit. So I like them. I think they're really talented. I think it's tough to replace Dwayne Casey, even though I think it was time for a change. He's obviously a fine basketball coach. It's just sometimes you wear out your welcome. You're just, you know, it's just time for a change. But I, I do think it's tough. The locker room really liked Dwayne Casey. I don't think those guys were happy to see him go. So I am interested to see what they, they do. Feels like they're 55 wins. That that feels yeah, right around. That, that's the Vegas under. And, and like you said, it really depends on Kawhi. I've heard the comparison, you know, Boston has to reintegrate Gordon Hayward and he was injured and Kawhi has to come in and he's injured. I think it's dicier for Toronto because Kawhi Leonard hasn't been around the team like Gordon Haywood has. So I don't know how he's going to react. I, if he thinks he's going to come in and be an MVP candidate scoring 25, 30 a game, it might not happen. So um, there's something to monitor. I just love – I like their, their length. If they, even if they go small and put Jonas on the bench, I, I just think they, they're an agile team. They can ramp the pace up. They can slow it down. They have a lot of looks, and I really do like Nick Nurse. I think he's a guy that I would have hired if he if he gotten away from Toronto. Well, then they, they do have DeLon Wright, too, who on that second unit can play any number of the guard spots. So you don't necessarily have to be so concerned about, like, all right, Kyle's a sub-six-foot point guard. Fred Van Vliet's a sub-six-foot point guard. Like, how are we going to defend? They do have really good defenders. Like, Danny's a very good perimeter defender, and then obviously Kawhi is the best in the league if he's healthy. Kyle's very good. But DeLon Wright, OG Anunoby – even CJ Miles, although he plays a lot more small ball four, like they can guard. And so I think that it's interesting. Nick Nurse to me is, you know, they think he's an offensive minded head coach, but I think this team on the perimeter should be very, very solid. But it does, it hinges on did you get back the two time finals MVP guy who finished second in the MVP voting in, in 2016? If you have that guy, they can easily win the East. But I think it's a big unknown right now. I really do. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And so at number three, the top two are pretty obvious. Number three might be obvious too. Who, who are you leaning to? Yeah. I am going to go off the board on this one. Uh, I, I'm going to leave the Philadelphia 76ers for you to take fourth. And I'm going to take the Bucks as my third pick. And the reason I'm going to take the Bucks is because I think they have the best player in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're... The fact that Giannis is as good as he is, given the play, the coaches he's played for over the last couple of years, has me really, really excited for Mike Budenholzer. And I, and I think it's interesting. Like Bud is obviously going to it's going to be some more pace and space, and they they don't have Jabari Parker. They might not be as deep as they were in years past. But I think a guy that can put Giannis in a position that Bud can do for him. I mean, this guy's to me is he's the value MVP pick of the year. I think he's the best player in the Eastern Conference. I think Milwaukee wins 52 to 55 games. And I know that's crazy to think about. I know that it doesn't probably seem like they're deep enough to win that many games. But I I like the fit. And I think that, like I said, I think they have the best player in the Eastern Conference. And what we've seen in the years past, I'm not saying Giannis is LeBron, but the best player in the Eastern Conference has been able to get his team to 48, 49, 50 wins, if not more, depending on how bad the bottom of the East is. So I'm going to take the Bucks with my uh, second pick. It's a shocking pick. And you know something? I like it. I actually like it. I was hoping you would take the Sixers. I wanted the Bucks at four. I had them penciled in. And I will have to now reluctantly take the 76ers with the fourth pick. We're calling a fourth seed. And for me, it's just... This I don't believe the natural presumption that they're just going to get better and better and better. I you you wonder where the improvements coming from. Like I, I take a look at Ben Simmons. You hear it all the time. Like oh, you know Ben Simmons is an MVP once he learns to shoot. Like it's not that easy. And I think your buddy Giannis is showing that in Milwaukee. I'm looking at Giannis's three point percentages: sixteen percent to twenty six percent to twenty seven percent to thirty percent. It's a slow growth, and Ben Simmons is starting at a much farther level. I don't know if he's going to be a good shooter anytime soon. I don't know if Embiid is going to be healthy. He played 63 games last year. And that might, I might take that if I'm the Sixers. And I don't like the idea that Markel Fultz is going to start instead of J.J. Redick. I don't understand the move. I think you need J.J. spacing. And I think Markel would have been better served coming off the bench as a playmaker. So there's a lot I don't like about the Sixers. But if you're leaving them there at the fourth pick, I have to take them. They're a team that I think you can talent alone would pencil in for 50 wins. Yeah, real quick on the Sixers, uh, I do agree. The J.J. Redick thing is really interesting to me because there were times last year where the only time they were able to generate legitimate, like, cohesive offense was with him in the game. I do worry a little bit about the shooting regression. Obviously, they had Bellinelli and Ilyasova at the end of the year, and those guys were important. We don't know how Markel Fultz is going to shoot in the game. And the other thing about Ben Simmons is – Giannis was always a relatively willing shooter. Like, he took threes. Like, Ben Simmons is not going to shoot threes. He has already said, I'm not shooting threes. And he, does, he doesn't look comfortable. Giannis, at least you could see it. Like, it needs a tweak, maybe a Tyler in there being a shooting coach. <laughs> no, no, no. But for, for Ben Simmons, we need, some, we need a, you know, Chip England. We need some real help. And that's, and that's the thing. And I think they're working on it. And Brett Brown, obviously, uh, actually, I don't know if you know this, but Brett Brown was one of the guys before Chip England that got a lot of credit for Tony Parker becoming a reliable mid-range jump shooter when Brett was in San Antonio. So I think the, the, it's there. I think Embiid's going to have an absolutely monster year. But I agree with you. 63 games seems about right for the guy. He is a massive human. He's We know the injury history. But, I mean, this feels like the Joel Embiid first-team All-NBA season to me. This feels like JoJo 27-9 and nine on 
55% shooting. I worry about the turnovers because they throw it to him in the post so much. And I want to say I saw a stat like 70% of his games in his career, he's had three plus turnovers. So I, I do worry about that. Ben Simmons to me. Well, I worry. I worry. I sorry. I, I worry. He's turning into a little bit of a Demarcus Cousins, where it's he's so talented and such a good offensive player that they overfeed. I mean, he that. does. They do do that, and and that's something I think he's going to have to work on, like because he really can score every single time he touches the ball. But it's like the need to do that, and also like where his conditioning is at the end of games last year, and we saw this in the Celtics series in the playoffs. I mean, he was gassed. Like, this is a mad, like, I'm telling you, in person, like, he's humongous. So I wonder, like, they're going to let him shoot threes. He's obviously super talented. But, you know, Simmons, to me, is is the guy. He's going to play 40 minutes a night. Like, he's just an absolute horse. They're going to score so much in transition with him. But I, I worry a lot, a little bit of regression. They won 50, what did they win, 54 games last year, 52 games. They won 52, over under is 54. I would probably take the under. I took the under last year and lost money on it. But I, I do think this team is really interesting because I think people are just expecting them to get a ton better. And it's possible that Ben Simmons doesn't make that jump this year. Like he may well be yeah. really good and third team, second team All-NBA guy. But it's possible that like we don't see Ben Simmons jump into the top 10 of NBA players. and. I worry about that for Sixers fans. And again, like if Fultz is a star, then the, this team's going to be really good. But breaking up their starting lineup. Well, he doesn't have to be a star yet. I mean, and, and to the point, if you're, if you're the Sixers fans out there who are pissed that we're bashing them as the four seed, keep in mind, you wrote them off. I mean, you uh, they exceeded your expectations last year. Same with mine. I thought they would miss the playoffs last year. So for them to win 52 games. It came quicker than we all thought. So maybe the same the thing, thing again. For any gamblers out there, the one thing to consider is they won 16 straight games without Embiid last year to close the season. That's obviously not going to happen again. And their schedule in the second half last year was the easiest schedule in the NBA. So, you know, they took some lumps early. This year, it's maybe not going to be, they'll be a little bit more consistent. I doubt we'll see a win streak like that. But also they're starting five last year with, with Reddick, Covington, Simmons, uh, Embiid, and then, you know, Sarich at the end of the Like there was the best starting lineup in the NBA. So, breaking that up bothers me you know like i told i told chris from the underdog that i thought sarge was better coming off the bench because i thought they would need that but i will jump to my fifth pick and i am going to take oh this is tough um i'll spare the listeners of having to listen to me argue about the wizards Uh, i'm going to take the pacers I am not going to bet against Victor Oladipo duplicating the season from last year. I think he's one of the hardest workers in the NBA. They add Tyreek Evans if he is okay being a secondary playmaker and he's okay not having to have the ball and like score an ISO all the time like we've seen him want to do. This is going to be a team that's pretty damn dangerous. Uh, Sabonis showed himself to be a really good NBA player last year. Miles Turner has a chance to take another jump. Uh, Bogdanovich makes shots for them. I don't know where to slot them in in terms of how many wins they get. It, it doesn't. I don't know that they can get to 48 wins, but this is a very good team, and I think Victor Oladipo is a star, and I think their chemistry is good. I think they like to play with each other, and that's probably the only reason that I'm going to take them over the Wizards, which because I think the Wizards are more talented. But I think the Pacers, I think the Pacers are, are going to be pretty darn good. Like I think they're a lock to make the playoffs and be that fourth or fifth seed in the East. Well, you said you're not betting against Victor Oladipo, repeating it, and I think I would bet against it. I mean, looking at the numbers, last year he shot 47.7% from the field. His career average was 44.5. He also shot nearly two percentage points better from three. And you could say, oh, you know, he changed his body. You know, he just got better and better. There's 
a huge risk of a regression there just in terms of the shooting numbers. I mean, I like the way he attacks the basket. I like their defensive you know, ability. Dan Burke, great defensive assistant. I think they'll be in the mix. Um, and certainly the East is, a, is weak enough where you could probably slot them in for the playoffs. I'm not super high on them. I actually did have Washington ranked higher. I would have taken them first. And so I'll happily take them as my the sixth overall pick. And I think the key here is John Wall only played 40 games last year, 41 games. So if he's healthier, I think along with Beal, who I love, I think Beal is like a, if I had to start a franchise, he'd be one of my top 20 picks. I think he's great. And then can you get enough? Otto Porter is great in his role. We'll see about Dwight Howard. But like you said, it's a very talented team. You maybe give up hope that they're going to suddenly turn the switch on and try really hard and win 60 games, but I think they can win 48 So the one thing I will say, uh, I want to touch back on the Pacers for one second. Sorry to backtrack. I do think their pieces around Oladipo are better so that he doesn't necessarily need to be a 23-5-5 guy. I I think that Corey Joseph is is a really capable backup in that regard. I think they like Aaron Holiday. I think McDermott, Kylo Quinn, really good offseason additions to help them with shooting and kind of short up. But to, to get to the Wizards for, for one second, the, the issue I have is that if Dwight Howard is going to be a screen and dive guy, great, then then it's fine. But you're replacing Gortat and everyone's just acting like, oh man, Howard's just a no-brainer upgrade. And I think that the problem is he's certain, certainly an upgrade on the defensive glass. He is likely an upgrade at rim protection. Uh, he is not a great rim protector anymore, but he does protect the paint. Even I mean, in the last like ten to twelve seasons, his teams that he's anchored the defense on have always had way less paint touches against them because he he just guards the paint like that's who he is. But Gortat was arguably the best screener in the NBA, and him and Wall had unbelievable chemistry. So I do worry about like what's going to happen with Wall. Are we going to see some regression there, even if he is healthier? Because Howard is just not an, a lob guy. Like it's not he's not DeAndre Jordan. He wants to post up. He wants touches. He's not. A, a, you know, efficient down there. So I'm concerned about their offense. They've shot a ton more threes in the preseason, which is great. That's way better. Uh, I'm tired of watching the mid-range jump shoot teams to death. And then I do think Austin Rivers is a big upgrade for them. Their bench has been bad for years. They've never really had a guard that was very good in ISO, backing up John. So Rivers and Sadoransky, pretty two really good defenders. Uh, With Kelly Oubre, they should be much stronger defensively and much deeper than they've been in the past. I think they're going to play Jeff Green too many minutes, just not really a a difference. Yeah, I'm not in love with that. (laughs) Anytime anytime you're relying on Jeff Green, you're worried in a win school. It's the same guy. that He's a a good locker room guy. He's a fine NBA player. He just has never been on teams that win. Like, he's never been a difference maker. So, you know, that part bothers me. I want him to go small, want him to play around Markeith Morris a little more, and I don't know how that's going to go because now – Scott Brooks has Howard, Annie still has Jan Mahimi, and it feels like they're going to play a true five a lot. And and Zan, I don't know if that's the way to win in the NBA. It's not how I would coach. And so that's I, I'm concerned about that with the Wiz. Well, and you touched on Austin Rivers, and I think like Tyreek Evans, those are kind of X-factor guys, the guys who were maligned maybe two years ago and are really coming off years. really strong for yeah. them season. So can they maintain that with a new team? I'm more optimistic in Tyreek than Austin. But I got I got the Wizards. I'm rolling with it. I'm going to buy my Austin Rivers. The other Rivers part about Rivers is, and he even said this in his own interview, that him and Lou Williams had to do so much for the Clippers last year, and he's right about that. I mean, the Clips had so many injuries. They were playing a bunch of D-League guys, or G-League guys, excuse me, at certain parts of the year. And I looked at Rivers' stats, and we're talking about a guy who averaged 15 points a game coming off the bench. So, you know, finally, if he's okay with his role of being a 25-minute-a-game guy off the bench and 
then that's a really good deal. I mean, I think that's an upgrade because that's been a, a huge issue with the Wizards is they have absolutely cratered with no wall and be on the court. And so hopefully Scott Brooks can, can stagger those guys a little bit. I am not as optimistic, but again, we'll talk about the Wizards a lot because I'll watch them every single night. Yeah, they're, they're an interesting potential train wreck. Um, seventh pick, still a playoff team. Uh, I'm going to take, I think there's really only two teams to pick from here. I'm going to take the Hornets. I think, now I want to put a caveat on this one, Zan. I want to give this pick back if they trade Kemba Walker four weeks into the year, because I think that's a possibility if they're not very good to start. I like the Hornets roster. I like Kemba. Bullish on their young guys. Really like Malik Monk. I think he's a microwave scorer. I think they finally have a coaching staff in there who understands kind of how to play pace and space. Clifford, more of a defensive first guy, but they're going to play Marvin Williams as a four and a small ball five. Kaminsky, Cody Zeller had a good year last year. I really like Miles Bridges moving forward. I think that this is a team that could really surprise some people because obviously Clifford had health issues last year, so they didn't have a guy. 35.5 is their over-under. I think it's actually their pick to ninth. I, I love the over. Yeah, their pick 10th. I love the over, too, just to touch on that. like I, It kind of reminds me the coaching change. I don't mind Clifford as a coach. He's, he's a I think comp. he's a fine coach. I think he's okay. But you follow the NFL. It's, it reminds me a lot of you know, the Rams going from the old school defense of Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay or the Bears going from John Fox um, to Matt Matt Nagy. Yeah, James Rago is that modern coach and he's not going to put up with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist literally making zero threes last year and playing 25 minutes a game. I mean, it's just not sustainable. So if they modernize their offense, I mean, in terms of point differential, they were actually plus, they were plus 0.3. I mean, this is a 500 team last year and they weren't really trying. I, I think you're right. I think they're going to be the tail end of the playoffs. I like the pick. I liked your other picks, too. I think you're on a roll. So I'm going to have to come in hot with my eighth pick. Go off the board. Miami's still on the board. 44 wins last year, but I'm neglecting them. I'm going to go with Detroit. And the reason is not Blake Griffin necessarily, not Drummond, but I like their wings. I like Luke Kennard, and I like Reggie Bullock. Both of them shot. Well, from three last year, 41%, 44%. I think that's legit. They're both good shooters. And they're the kind of spacers that you need around big guys like that. Um, along with a new coach, I think Detroit is going to be fighting for the playoffs, maybe seven, eight, nine seed. What do you think? I don't love the Detroit team. Uh, I, I believe I've said in the past if this goes south for them, it could go south really quickly. I do think the fact that they have Dwayne Casey, I, I think it's tough. Like Stan Van Gundy, I think is a good coach. He's running basketball operations there. He made some unbelievably bad choices. This is, it looks like a team that's going to be from the sixth to the 10th or 11th spot every single year for the next couple of years because of the Blake Griffin deal. I don't love Griffin and Drummond together. Uh, I, I do like Blake Griffin as a playmaker. I've, I've talked about this before. I think they should experiment with him as a little bit in, in a point guard spot. I think he can pass. I think he can handle it. Um, I would say that uh, Reggie Jackson is one of my least favorite players to watch in the NBA. And I, I, you know, they have Langston Galloway. I do really like Reggie Bullock. I think he's one of the more underrated guys. Their over-under to me seemed a little bit high just because I just don't know what their ceiling is. Like, it, it feels like 39 wins is, is going to be harder for them to get to. But They won 39 last year, over under 38 and a half. Um, I, I don't think they have huge upside. I'm, I'm looking at them winning 40 to 42 games. I, you know, we're not, we're not dealing with a lot of winners. 
But I bypass Miami. Are you, are you going to snap them up I'm with that ninth Miami, pick? And it's a great value pick because if if they trade for Jimmy Butler, that obviously improves their uh, over under. I would say a little bit with Jimmy on the team. You know, maybe they maybe they're the fifth seed in the East. Maybe they're the fourth. I don't know. I, I don't love the roster just because like. I like some of their pieces. I really like Goran Dragic. I think Josh Richardson's a good player. I think Bam Adebayo has a chance to break out. Hassan Whiteside, to me, is a really interesting case. You're paying him a lot of money for a guy that when he's locked in, he looks great. When he's not locked in, he can totally wreck your team. I don't, you know, Dwayne Wade, don't really know kind of what his role is going to be. He was actually fun last year as a sort of secondary scorer for them in the playoffs and down the stretch. But, I mean, I don't love the Heat team. I think that Eric Spolster is tremendous. Uh, and then it, it's just interesting because they have a lot of guys. To me, they're kind of like Charlotte. I, I like their talent slightly less than Charlotte just because I, I don't know that they have one guy as good as Kemba. And I don't know that their roster fits together as well as I think Charlotte's does if they want to play pace in space. With Miami, it's kind of interesting because you have to shoehorn Whiteside in and then you can't really play Bam with him. So you got to play James Johnson and Kelly Olynyk a lot who are good players. but. You know, then what happens when you're going small a lot and maybe you're not playing Drogic as much as you can when you play small. So I'm going to take Miami. I like it as an upside pick. Feels like a 41 to 42 win team. They, they I think they're the eighth seed, in my opinion, as as constructed. And that's if they get Deion Waiters back and he's healthy, you know. And I, I went against my better judgment there because I do think they're talented. They're probably a smarter pick. I just don't want to root for him because I just don't like the roster. I don't like Deion Waiters contract. I don't like him as a player. It's just sort of like an expensive mess. They, they did a bunch. When the cap was expanding, they did a bunch of signing like mediocre guys to, to not terrible deals, but not very good deals. They gave a lot of people like 45, 55 million to kind of just be right on the edge of contention. And I thought they would do a little bit like what Daryl Morey did, which is where you kind of give those guys deals because you can always trade them. But then when the cap... Right. They, they slightly overpaid. They're not tradable yeah, contracts, like, except for Josh Richardson. That's exactly what happened. When the cap closed up, it was all of a sudden, it was like, all right, well, now Kelly Olynyk doesn't make sense to trade to teams at $12 million a year because the market's, you know, you're not signing Andrew Nicholson to a $13 million a year deal anymore. And that's where I think Miami, you know, I think Pat Riley's tremendous, but I think that was a mistake that they kind of overestimated what the market would look like in 2019 and 2020. And I think that that's going to hurt them because those guys are... Well, and the Jim, the Jimmy Butler thing certainly makes it interesting. If they could get Jimmy Butler, you certainly bump them up into that four or five seed range at least. But I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a deal there without including Josh Richardson. I don't think Minnesota is going to take a bunch of bad contracts just to get Josh Richardson. Would you rather have Josh Richardson? Excuse me, Josh Richardson at his current deal for three or four years, or Jimmy Butler? And, and every all the baggage that comes with him and still understand that you likely can't win the East with Jimmy Butler. I, I would take Josh Richardson because I think he makes like a 11 and Butler is going to get paid, you know, 25, 30 next year. I mean, if you can package somebody, like if you're telling me like, all right, I can get out from under Whiteside if I get rid of Josh Richardson and we have Jimmy Butler, but then why are you trading for Jimmy Butler? Because then you're not going to compete anyway. So like, it just feels like Miami's in an awkward spot. That the trades they're stuck. They're stuck in the middle, more so than any other. Let's franchise. run through some of the. Let's run through some of the losers in the East really quickly. I'm going to take Brooklyn uh, as my next. Or it was you, right? No. Yeah, it's me. Look at you. You're, get, you're getting so excited to talk about the Brooklyn Nets that you know what? I'll let you, I'll let you have them. I I, I was going to maybe take them, but I'll take Cleveland at ten. I don't love the pick, obviously. 
um, especially if they start selling their parts in a garage sale. But if they don't, you know, Kevin Love is going to have some free reign. Rodney Hood can score. Maybe they just try to win a few games as a fuck you to LeBron. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for here. And like try to win 35 games. It's going to be sad in the queue. But I would, I would not bet it's gonna on be, that. It's going to be sad in the queue. Yeah, and, and they're very motivated. They should be motivated to turn it over to Colin Sexton, watch him go five for 20 and, and try to get a top three pick. But as the roster stands right now, it's hard to see them losing that many games. So I'll have them at 10. Not excited about it. Uh, I'll take Brooklyn. Not going to chime in on Cleveland. Just a depressing state of affairs in uh, Quick and Loans Arena this year. I'm going to take Brooklyn only because I like some of their young parts. I think they had some guys not really shoot it great towards the end of last year. Spencer Dinwiddie was really good while he was making shots. D'Angelo Russell's still relatively intriguing. Jared Allen's intriguing to me. I like Ed Davis as a sort of elder statesman there. It feels odd saying that since he's probably still younger than me. But... And I just want to chime in on Brooklyn for a second. It looks like Kenny Atkinson knows what he's doing, and it looks like Sean Marks is actually building the team. They finally have their own first-round pick after the whole Boston fiasco, you know, however many years ago that was. feels like 2013 or 2014, maybe even earlier than that. But this year they have a first-round pick. So I am bullish on Boston – or on Brooklyn, excuse me. I really like kind of – they have a lot of interesting guys. They should be fun to watch. Probably more of a league pass team, but – 32 wins is there. Yeah, they're, they're interesting. I, I, I just don't know if they're pushing the gas pedal on yet. Last year, they didn't have a guy. And, and that, that could hurt me, Zan. Like, they could decide, you know, halfway through the year, like, oh, shit, we have 12 wins. Like, let's just bottom out at 25 and see if we can't. Yeah, because they haven't, they haven't had that pick yet. And, you know, they have a lot of fourth or fifth players, maybe. And you need that star, the foundational piece. I'd like to see him tank. I, I know it kind of goes against their nature and they're playing well and they're smart. They're a smart, savvy team, but I don't know. So I'm taking, um, you're taking Brooklyn. We're really in the doldrums here, the dregs. I don't like my options, but I'll go with 12th pick, the yeah, Chicago that's Bulls. That's what I would have picked. That's what I would have picked. They're kind of a mess of talent, hodgepodge of talent, but there are a few pieces I like. And I just wanted to highlight one guy, Chris Dunn who only played 52 games last year. I think he's going to take a major leap forward and really get recognition as a potential all-defensive team member. I think he's really quick hands, long arms, could steal two, two and a half steals a game. I think he's going to take a big leap. I don't like some of the other members, but there's enough random talent here to be fun to watch. Yeah, they are. They they do. I mean, Markinen being injured kind of stinks because that's a guy. And and Wendell Carter, I think, is a sneaky rookie of the year value pick. He, he his numbers may not be amazing, but he seems like a guy that you can just pencil in for like eleven and six every night. And if they win a couple more games than they should, then then you feel good about it. I uh, don't know if I would have matched the Zach Levine contract. I kind of think they felt like they had to. I don't know, man. I don't know if he's the guy. It's a weird fit, but I, I think he's a good player and he's exciting to watch. I have no idea who I'm going to pick with my next pick. I guess I'll take. I guess I'll take Orlando. I don't really know how they get to. What's their Vegas over under? Thirty one. I don't really know how they get. Orlando is thirty one, which would be the highest on the board, higher than Chicago. But thirty one wins. Um, I don't know. Well, people fell in love with the idea of Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon and Bamba. They do have a lot of length. They do. I don't know if that's going to translate I right away. Gordon. I was really hoping he got to play for somebody else. Now, that being said, I don't really know what Steve Clifford's going to do with this roster. They should be pretty good defensively, given, given what we know about Clifford. They're probably going to play Vucevic a little bit less. Uh, but they do have a bunch of guys like Terrence Ross, Jerry and Grant, Jarrell Martin, 
you know, Fournier, Isaac, Jonathan Simmons, Awundu, Mo Bamba, like those guys should all be pretty good defenders. Seriously. So. Well, to your, to your point, I, I agree with you on Aaron Gordon. I would have loved to see Aaron Gordon go to a team like Phoenix maybe. And he's like, Hey, you're going to be our fourth, fifth guy providing defense, energy, some scoring when necessary, but you're not our go-to scorer. I don't think he's miscast in that role. And, and like I said, the one the one thing I'm disappointed that this is where uh, Jarrell Martin landed. I would have liked to see him go somewhere where they could kind of play a little bit more to his strengths. But this is an odd team. They have a million foremen. Don't really know how they get to 31 wins. But again, they do have – they're probably more talented than the two teams left on the board. And that's – Well, I'm glad we, I'm glad we talked about Jarrell Martin because I think that's why people tune in. They want to know. <laughs> What's going on with Jarrell? I like Jarrell Martin. I was disappointed. I, I believe that Memphis probably should have kept him, and it just didn't really make sense. I think he's, you know, this is a guy last year. He, first of all, he's still really young, all right? Just just to give everybody a little recap on Jarrell Martin, LSU guy, former McDonald's All-American. He's 24 years old, and he gave you eight, four and a half, and one assist on 45 and 35 from the field last year in 73 games. So... You know what I mean? Like, this is fascinating. Like well, I think he's going to make a D League team very happy one day. Um, all right, forget Jarrell Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I, we tricked people. This has turned into a Jarrell Martin podcast. We're going for him. I'm going to stand for some random players this year, Zan, and you're going to be real. No, I like really that. I, to be honest, I, as much as I joke about it, like, that's also one of the points of this podcast is to help people understand more of the nooks and crannies of the league. And that's one of them. I think guys like that, that you've been watching, or that I've been watching really spark to you and maybe you should get a larger role. We'll try to highlight guys like that. Um, but it's maybe not for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> 14th pick, only Knicks and Atlanta left. I'll go with the Knicks. I mean, you know, they have some veterans. Um, they have some young guys who are kind of out of control. I'm not really sold on um, Frankie, Nicotelia. Um, I still can't say his name. Yeah, I still, I'm not... I'm not committed enough to even learn how to say his name. I don't think he's the savior. You should steal from Bill Simmons. You can call him uh, – he goes by Frankie Smokes, so you can call him Frankie Nicotine. That's that's the uh, Bill Simmons, Frankie Nicotine. I don't I don't see a lot of smoke. I don't see a lot of offensive IQ. Um, and I think Knox, talented rookie, I think he's going to be very inefficient to start. I think he he's used to being like kind of a low, high-volume, low-efficiency scorer in Kentucky, and I can see that translating. But still, certainly more talented than Atlanta, who you are stuck with at 15. Yeah, Atlanta's got the worst roster in the NBA from a talent perspective. A couple guys to be excited about. I'm a big Trey Young guy, excited to you know maybe watch him average like 17 points a game with like nine turnovers a game. Uh, but Tor- Torian Prince actually I think is another guy to be pretty excited about. Other than that, you know, I don't know what you get from Kevin Herter. I don't think he can play enough to guard. They, they have like they signed Vince Carter. I don't understand it. They have Jeremy Lin. I don't really get it. 23 and a half over under for this team. It feels like the East is bad enough that maybe they can get to 24 wins. I don't, I don't see it. Like I said, I think this is the worst, this is the worst roster in the NBA for, for my money. Yeah. And, and Trey Young, I like as well. I think he was kind of um, hated on in the draft because the Luka Doncic trade, but I, I think he's really big upside, but I, my fear with him is he's really underdeveloped physically. And even if you compare him to a guy like Steph Curry or CJ McCollum, those guys stayed multiple years in college and still took a few years to find their footing in the NBA. So for them to come in, one and done kid who's that size and immediately be efficient is asking. If he's a, lot. a 38% three point shooter right away, and I think the jury's out, he was really hot for a month and a half, two months at Oklahoma last year and then kind of regressed. If he's a 32% three point shooter, this could be a really tough year. 
Uh, one note on the Hawks, like I said, they, they're probably going to be the worst team in the NBA, but also have that Dallas pick. It is top five protected, but if this is a team that gets the first overall pick next year and the sixth overall pick, then all of a sudden you have a lot more talent. I do like John Collins, and, and like I said, I think DeAndre Brembry's got a chance to be okay, but not a roster I'm excited about. I am excited about the Western Conference, Dan, so let's let's just dive right in. Yeah. Do you want to go right in? I think you did really well in the East. I, I'm going to have to step my game up a little bit because I liked your picks. Just to recap, Milwaukee at three I liked for you. I like Charlotte at seven. I think you were ahead of me. You outfoxed me on the East, but it was a little bit of a rope-a-dope because I'm ready for that. I mean, you picked now. Detroit. The Detroit pick was was a, the low point, I think. But you're stuck with the, you're stuck with the Wizards. <laughs> so. Well, what about Cleveland? I have the Cleveland. I have the Knicks. I have a lot of fun ahead of me. I get to watch Zach Levine's defense all year long. Honestly, Chicago, other than Toronto, Chicago might be the most exciting team that you have this year, just in, from a league pass perspective. Well, don't worry. I'm making it up for the West. And it's not as obvious as a first pick as people might think. Again, we're just doing regular season wins. So we're not talking about the title. And so Golden State is not a slam dunk number one pick for that reason. I'm taking Golden State number one. And the reason is I just think they have such a low floor. Like even if they don't have the gas pedal on, even if Steph Curry or Durant misses 40 games, they could still win 50. And there's not that many teams you could say that about. Maybe Boston, we touched on that as well. I think I don't, I wouldn't necessarily bank on them getting the one seed because I don't think they care that much. But in this kind of format, wins pool, you can bank on them for 55, 60 wins. They have to be my number one pick. I would be stunned if they ended up with less than, I mean, I think they've got what, 58 last year was the lowest they've had. Since and that felt low. That felt yeah. low. So Golden State to me, like I said, I, I don't. I think they're going to go over 63. I think they're going to be the number one overall seed because I think that's what you kind of have to do. I think that's the big trial for Steve Kerr this year is, you know, kind of prove everybody wrong that like this is, you know, they're, they're, they got like to rob the Pat Riley quote, like disease of, of more where it's like, oh, Draymond Green wants to be first team all NBA. DeMarcus Cousins needs touches. And I think that this team's just going to. Well, and I also think it'd be interesting for Golden State and Houston What's the will to win in the regular season? Like, what's the lesson of the playoffs? Because last year, Houston got the first seed and lost with home court advantage. Does that motivate them to try harder or try less? Um, I don't know. Good segue. I'm a little disappointed because I, I see how this is going. And I, I'm going to take Houston. Uh, and, and the one reason I'm there, there's one reason I'm going to take Houston over Utah. And I really like Utah just to probably tip what's going to be your third pick. But maybe you'll surprise me. Uh, Mike D'Antoni is going to play he's going to play his starters. Like they're going to play and play and play. Like he's always done that when he was with Phoenix, he did it with the Knicks. He did it. Like he runs his guys into the ground. James Harden is going to have an absolute monster year. I think that people were worried about Ariza and, uh, and Bahamute not being there. And those are very, very good NBA veterans. However, they had both gotten worse defensively as the year went on. Obviously in Bahamute got hurt. They experimented with PJ Tucker at the five Carmelo in a bit role is capable of being a very good NBA player. Still. I like Houston. Last year, I thought their over-under was the easiest pick in the league. This year, 56 wins. I'm not sure. That feels about right. Like, Chris Paul's a year older. I mean, it's tough for Harden uh, to focus. He's been so spectacular. But I do think Houston's going to be the two seed. I also – I just want to say just for Houston in a nutshell, like, they have a bunch of, like, odd guys like Marcus Chris, Michael Carter-Williams, Brandon Knight. So who knows what we get out of those guys in this free-flowing, like, pace and space type style. But with Houston – just because they didn't win, like this is a really good team. Last year, like they might have been one of the better teams in the last ten to fifteen oh, totally. years. You just run into 
Golden State, which is arguably the best team ever, and you lose to them in Game 7, maybe they win if Chris Paul doesn't shred his hamstring. We don't know. So I feel like when we talk about teams and we talk about is it a foregone conclusion, like last year we watched a team push Golden State to the brink and, and just not quite get there. But like not to take away from Houston, like this is a really good team and this is a really good roster. And like I said, it, James Hard- it's James Harden's world's in and, and we're living in it because he's going to have another humongous year. And I agree with you. I, I, in, since I've been watching basketball since you know, the 90s, that Houston team strikes me as one of the best teams not to win a title. They were definitely so. championship worthy. And I think, as I mentioned, what's the lesson of the playoffs for them? Because they pushed hard to win that one seed last year and it didn't work. If anything, I think D'Antoni would say, look, if you could promise me Chris Paul is going to enter the playoffs healthy, I'd take a four seed. Like, I don't think he really cares as much about seeding as much as resting his stars this year. They, they also were, you know, kind of by lack of design, but Chris Paul did get hurt early in the year. So he, he missed a bunch of games early. So he's more in the tank than people thought. And like I said, he gets, you know, he just gets hurt in game five when they, you know, have a chance to close it out game six and seven. And then, but, but the other thing too, is they got tremendously unlucky. Like they missed like, you know, 28 threes in a row, which for a team that's the best three point shooting team ever from a volume standpoint, like you just don't expect that to happen. And, you know, it is what it is. You lose to Curry and Duran and Draymond and Clay Thompson. It's, you know, sometimes you tip your cap. But I do think that's that's going to be the biggest thing. Like, can they manage? Because we know Harden, like, he can log minutes. Just he's a Ben Simmons and LeBron. Like, those those guys are just animals, Chris. Like, or Zan. They can just play as many minutes as they need to. But, but like, Chris Paul and Nene and, like, Capella's kind of conditioning was an issue at the end. Like, what are those guys going to be able to give you? Eric Gordon's getting older now. He's he's up there. He's over 30. Like, this is a – it's a weird situation, I think. And so how they manage – but also – I was going to say, that, like, your, your point about the fringes of the roster, the MCWs, it scares me a little bit. And I do think it feels just from the start of the season like the championship is further away than it was last year. I think the distance between them and Golden State has grown. But it's just hard to imagine – that reflecting in the regular season standing 65 wins last year, the Vegas over under has them dropping nine games. I don't think they're nine games worse than last year. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, and the other thing is too, like we could, we could look in the East or in the West, excuse me. And we could see, I think people think the middle of the West is really, really close, but I've actually got four teams circle that I think could win 52 to 55 games. And that's not counting. Like I think Houston and Golden State could each win 58 plus. Like I think that could happen. But there are there are other really good teams in the West, and I don't. I mean, so somebody I think is going to be. I think the bottom of the West is going to be a little bit worse than people think. Well, and let, that's where. Let's get to the the third pick. You kind of tipped me off. I was debating Utah and Sacramento, and you you pushed me over the edge to Utah. I mean, they were third in point differential last year, four point three. If there's a fear, I think it's Donovan Mitchell maybe getting a big head and, and becoming too shot happy. Last year, he shot 35% prior to the All-Star break from three, and that dipped down to 31% after when people started giving him more attention. So I worry that he might be too willing of a shooter given his skill set. He's not Steph Curry. But everything else about the roster and the defense and the coach, I mean, they're rolling. I don't see any reason they wouldn't win around 48 games, 50 games again. Yeah, they were they were they would have been my third pick. I, I think they are the sneaky value. If somebody is out there that's going to upset and win the West, they probably have the best value to me. Um, I think Quinn Snyder's great. I really like their wings. I think now Jay Crowder has opportunity to you know be there for the entire season and, and really acclimate himself. 
obviously Rudy Gobert missed a ton of ton of time. I am not worried about Donovan Mitchell. He is a great, great kid. Like as a guy that I watched in AAU, you know, when I was coaching, when I was running events, like great kid. I, I think that Donovan Mitchell, the, the sky's the limit. I think he has a little bit of the same as Jason Tatum. Like the jump might not be as great, but we might, the jump from the first half to playoff Donovan Mitchell was incredible. So like if we get playoff Donovan Mitchell the whole year, this team could be really good. They're just going to be so good defensively. Also, you know, Ricky Rubio, like just a really good NBA point guard. Like I feel like he's gone from overrated to now underrated because of, you know, the inability to shoot the ball. But good defender. I am excited for this team. Well, now, yeah, it gets really interesting now. As as everyone knows that, you know, the three through nine was so closely stacked last year. So it really opens up. I think Utah people, everyone likes Utah, but who's four? Who do you think is going to emerge from this pack and get home court advantage? I like Denver. Um, my biggest concern with Denver is Mike Malone. I think he's a good coach. I think he is not necessarily the type of coach who wants to embrace what they can be offensively. Uh, to, for my money, Jokic is one of the 10 best players in the NBA, if not even higher than that. When they allowed him to basically be the focal point at the end of last year, they were absolutely rolling. Gary Harris, really underrated. You need good shooters. I think Jamal Murray has an opportunity to take a huge leap. You're talking about a guy that averaged 17-4-4 four and four last year. Didn't have Paul Millsap healthy for half the season. Denver, to me, is the team that has the highest ceiling, other than probably Golden State. Uh, 47.5 seems absolutely so low for this team, but they've also never done it before, so maybe they don't get there. But if we get close to prime Paul Millsap, Denver could win 55 games, in my opinion. Like, this team has an, a, a way more talent, I think, than people realize on it. Way more talent. And that's not even saying, like, do you get anything from Michael Porter? Like, how's Mason Plumley? Like, what is Will Barton's role on this team? Like, I, I, I love Denver this year. And I think it's a steal that they're considered the – I don't even know where they're – Vegas has them. 47 and a half around – yeah. To, for, for my money, that this Denver team, if they can – continue to play on offense like they did at the end of last year, the last 25 to 30 games, this is a team that has a chance to be, you know, right up there with like the Houstons of the world with the best offense in the NBA. Well, I'm noticing a trend. You picked Indiana, Charlotte, Denver. You're kind of like the hipster NBA fan. I'm picturing you with like a little slick mustache right now, a little beret, fedora. I like it. Full beard. And, and- no, no mustache. Full beard right now. <laughs> Well, and I, you have to agree. I, I think the one thing concerned with Denver, I don't think, I think Paul Millsap might've been, gotten a little overrated based on that contract i don't think he's as good of a stretch for as maybe his reputation suggests it's possible they're paying that guy 30 million dollars you're exactly right it's possible he might be done you know you're talking about a guy that's i don't even know if I, he's 34 years old this year i mean that's that's a lot of miles on him but what i love is that they have trey lyles back in i like trey and lyles i think too. trey lyles i think is the guy who could be the next plug-in maybe next year starting for them and jamal murray I, you know, in that NBA survey, GM survey, he was listed as the breakout player. And I think he would be for me as well. Huge upside. I think he really could be scoring 25 points a game on a worst team. They're too good for that. But he, he has that sort of potential, that all-star potential. I agree with their upside. They, I was, they were highly ranked for me as well. I'm a little bit of a hipster too. And um, fifth pick's tough. I'm looking around. There's no one that I love. There's no one that I would guarantee to be in the playoffs, but I, I think they're chocked full of talent. I'm going to have to take Oklahoma City with my fifth pick. And, you know, I think Westbrook's a mixed bag. Obviously, you love his energy and athleticism and how much he works. I, 
I, I think he does kind of put a ceiling on this team in terms of their efficiency. I'd like him to be more of a playmaker than a scorer because I just loved everyone else. And it's particularly, I want to highlight New Orleans Noel, who's been like a long time. I've been a long time New Orleans Noel defender. And I, I want to see him be used more. I don't know if he will be with this team with Steven Adams, but I want to see him break out because I think his defensive potential, people haven't seen how quick his feet are, how quick his hands are. He really does have great defensive potential if he gets his head on right. I uh, I like it. I'm a little bit worried about Roberson uh, not being healthy to start the year. They're so different with him defensively. I liked. I wanted the Wizards to sign uh, Noel over Dwight Howard just because I thought his upside was was better than Howard's. But yeah, I, I, um, like I, I want to say one to interrupt you because I'm so passionate about New Orleans Noel. Although he's constantly let me down, I'm like an abused wife. Um, this stat really struck me. New Orleans Noel, 26 minutes a game in his career, averages 1.4 blocks, 1.6 steals. And there's only there's only two players in NBA history that have those averages. Let me let me throw the, one out. Floor. Let me see if I can get it. Uh, I'm gonna go. There's well, he's one. He's one of them. So there's only one. I'm more. gonna go Hakeem Olajuwon as the other one. You're Maybe right. You were right. Look, at, this is the savvy expert analysis we want. I think he's like, like three and three. Like Hakeem was on a different level. And those stats weren't always tracked back in the day. So, But Noel, if, if he's getting 36 minutes a night, he might get two steals, two blocks. And that doesn't necessarily translate to how good of a defender you are. But it certainly suggests, you know, how good of a opportunistic. I, I, mean, he's gonna, I don't know that he's going to play that many minutes because I do think they'll, they, they they hammer Steven Adams and he's another guy that can just take a ton of punishment. But as an energy big, that's Nerlens Noel. You know what I mean? Like that's, he's, he's going to catch lobs. He's going to, he's going to rebound. He's going to try to do some dumb stuff. I just think it matters. Like, does he care enough? You know, he couldn't play for Rick Carlisle. Like the two of them just, it just didn't work. You know, like they just didn't like each other. And, and that was a better situation. I mean, being a backup to Steven Adams and probably not being able to play alongside Steven Adams limits his upside in his minutes, as you said. I just want to see him out there. I want to see him with Roberson. I want to see him with Paul George. I want to see how good of a defensive Panther lineup they could. I mean, put they out could there. be. They, they could be really, really good. The issue is, you know, you can't play like you can't play Russ, Paul George, Roberson, Noel, Steven Adams. But you could do this one. You could play. You could play Russ, Roberson, PG. Jeremy Grant and Noel, and that lineup should be suffocating defensively if Russ is focused. And I like Patrick Patterson um, coming back, hopefully healthy this year. But I think you're I like right. Oklahoma City better than I thought. Now that we're talking about, it. I'm getting a little excited to watch yeah, Oklahoma City. I'm, <laughs> Seriously. Well, now I, I, it'll be interesting, and it could be a you know it could be a flat liner. But I I think they're I think they're right in that 48 50 win range. So who do you have at six? I'm gonna do it. You know, don't really want to be excited about the Lakers. Uh, they they have the best player in the world on their team. They LeBron is probably good enough to get them to 50 wins. I don't I don't love the roster. I do love certain parts about it. I think their shooting concerns are a little bit overblown because I think people are focused a lot on like oh they signed Lance and they signed Rondo and they signed Javale McGee and those guys can't shoot well. Kyle Kuzma can make shots. I, I'm not a Kuzma guy like a lot of people are, but Kuzma can make shots. Josh Hart can make shots. Brandon Ingram, everyone's talking about taking a leap. I think it's going to be a little bit harder to take a leap given the fact that LeBron's going to have the ball a ton. Lonzo is an interesting fit next to LeBron and Rondo because this is a guy with a lower usage rate who had the ball a ton. Like he's, He had a ton of touches last year, but he doesn't use a bunch of possessions. So he's a guy that's going to keep the ball moving. Mo Wagner, I think, is a really good pick for them. Contavious Caldwell-Pope as a 3 and D guy. I think the shooting concerns are overblown. 
My concern is that it's LeBron with some old guys who want to win and some young guys who are learning to win, and I'm not sure the personality fit. This team could win 55 games, in my opinion, or this team could win probably like 43. They have a really low floor because it's LeBron. But I like the pieces that are largely going to be finishing games around LeBron, and that's why I think the Lakers are probably... 48 and a half seems right around the right number. You know, like I said, I could see him winning 52. I could see him winning 46. I'm going to err on the side of it's LeBron and they'll finish fifth or fourth. I think they're, for my money, their roster is worse than Golden State, Houston, Utah, Denver. But again, it's LeBron James. He's our guy. You live out there. You're going to watch the Lakers every single night. So, but I, I think they're really good. I think they're very, very good. Well, and certainly you have reason to worry about the fit. With Rondo and you know, McGee, what are they doing? You know, they have Lance Stevenson. I'm not sure how they have much Michael Lance Beasley too. Like, who I don't mind um, as an off the bench scorer. The guy that I, I have confidence in is Brandon Ingram. Uh, watching him a lot, I, I think he's been now he's getting so much hype that it's hard to call him underrated. But I think he's been underrated last year. How well he started to play, and I th- compare him to a guy like Ben Simmons. Like Ben Simmons came into the NBA with such like an NBA ready body. And also that mentality, like I'm going to attack the basket and be the star and be the, you know, the leading scorer, alpha dog on the team. I don't think Brandon Ingram necessarily plays like that. I think he plays with a sort of blend in, high IQ, pass the ball around, everyone hits their open shots. And it can allow him to blend in. But I think that's a good thing for LeBron. I think he's an ideal partner for LeBron and his length and his length defensively. I think it allows him to play small forward, maybe some power forward. He's going to be a rock for that team. Everyone else, I'm not so sure about. I, I had them, but I had them in that same range, five, six. I think it's a good pick at six. And at seven, it, it's tight. You know, there's a lot of teams in that conversation. This is where it gets thick. Portland won 49 last year. New Orleans won 48. San Antonio won 47. Minnesota won 47. They're lightning tight, if that's a phrase. I don't know who to go with. I'm going to go with my heart here. And say New Orleans. And, and the reason that scares me is because they were, they're, star, they're thin, you know, very reliant on Anthony Davis now that Boogie's gone. Andrew Holiday is really a key glue guy for them right now. And those guys played last year, Anthony Davis, 75 games. Drew Holiday played 81 after being injury prone. So any injury to one of those two could really derail this team. But if they're healthy, I like the way they started to play last year. Their assistant, Chris Finch, came in and started running, upping the pace, really suited Anthony Davis. I just think he has so much upside, kind of like a Giannis in Milwaukee, that they have to be in the mix. I, I think it's 50-50 whether they make the playoffs, but I think they have 50-win upside. I like them a lot. If they're going to play fast, I really like them. I think Frank Jackson's an interesting guy. He was hurt all last year. They need another guard. I just don't believe in the health. That's kind of the problem. I would have taken them in this spot as well, uh, given the DeJounte Murray injury for San Antonio. But I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I worry about Anthony Davis. Can he play 80 games? I worry about Drew Holiday. Can he play 65 games? Like, uh, Marodich is still there. I think that's a really good pair next to Davis. And I I like them. I think they're good. They have a lot of – Etwan Moore was really good last year. Solomon Hill, don't really know what you're going to get. But I I like the Pelicans. And I think that the pace is one, one thing. I'm going to, man, I don't know. I would have taken, man, I really don't know. I guess I'm going to take Portland, and I'm just going to believe that Terry Stotts is really good. I would have taken San Antonio for sure for the DeJounte Murray injury. I was really bullish on them uh, as a team that was going to outperform their total. 
but I'll take Portland. Uh, I mean, we know who they are. They, they they won 49 last year and they won. I mean, they were one and a half games up on the eighth spot and they got the three seed. Obviously they weren't that good. I think they're probably their ceiling is what we saw last year. I would expect them to win around 42 to 44 games. It could go worse than that. Honestly, their guards don't really defend. They run everybody off the line and they funnel guys to Nurkic. If he's focused, he's very, very good. He's been shooting some threes. I like the idea of Evan Turner being their secondary creator instead of staggering McCollum and Damian Lillard, which is what they've been. They've done that in the past. They've staggered them and they have not been doing that in the preseason. So I don't know what Stotts is doing. I think he's a really good coach. I'll just pick Portland in that. Uh, I believe, what is that? The seventh spot? Yeah. I'll pick eighth. No, it's eight, technically the eighth spot. And I think it's a great value pick. Uh, you know, the third seed was misleading last year, but I think people really overreacted to them getting swept. To have their over-under drop from 49 wins to a projected 42, like where's that coming from? It's basically the same team, their first seven guys. Yeah, the, the only guy, the only person that's gone is Ed Davis. And like I said, Zach Collins, I like Zach Collins as another guy I'll stand for pretty regularly. Like he might be ready to play 25 to 30 minutes a night. Well, even if he's not, I, I, I think he might be, even if he's 20 minutes and he gives you solid, he's one of the better backup big men in the league at this point. And I just don't see where they're getting seven wins worse. I mean, I know LeBron's in the conference now, but you're not playing the Lakers 10 times a year. So I think people are overreacting to the momentum um, or the de-momentum, whatever the word might be. Um, So I think I like that pick. I I think they could have been justifiably, you know, fifth seed if you wanted to do that. Um, Now we're talking ninth pick, which means that this team would not make the playoffs if we were right. Debating between San Antonio and Minnesota – and despite the cloud of Jimmy Butler hanging over their head, I'm going to go Minnesota. I think either Jimmy Butler stays disgruntled or not, or they get back some pieces for him and say it's a Josh Richardson or say it's somebody who can provide some spacing. I think their, you know, their win total over under is 41. Again, like unless Jimmy Butler's just gone and doesn't show up and no one comes back for him. I don't see them their uh, improvement backsliding to that degree. I don't know if they'll necessarily make the playoffs, but I like them to win forty to forty five games. I just think that it's interesting because, like, I don't know that Thibs makes it through the year. Like, they signed Carl Towns to an extension, which is great. You're paying Andrew Wiggins one hundred and fifty million. He's not that. He's not that guy. Like, Jimmy Butler hates it there. The the Minnesota thing to me is just there's so much uncertainty. Uh, they, I, I mean, they were so much better with Tyus Jones last year. So who knows? Maybe they get Jimmy back there and, and Andrew Wiggins is happy or something and they, they improve. I don't believe in Thibs. I think that he wears on his guys so hard that after a couple of years, it's just like, man, I'm tired of this. And, and that's I think certainly, that's what we're seeing with yeah, I think if, if they disappoint early, you know, he's an early hot seat coach. I would say the same. If, you know, Denver disappoints, they have such high expectations. Malone might be in that boat. And certainly, Malone could get fired. Oh, yeah. And certainly Luke Walton. Uh, Luke Walton is renting right now. Because, you know, if anything goes bad, LeBron's not taking the heat. You know, he's looking for someone to blame. We'll have to talk about that in another yeah. episode. Because I think the Luke Walton-LeBron dynamic is pretty interesting. I believe they played together in Cleveland, I, I, if I remember correctly. I, it's, I don't know. Luke Walton, everybody loves him, you know. I'm really excited about getting the Spurs at the 10th spot, even with the injury think the organization and obviously Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford, they're just too good to kind of write them off. Their over-under was off the board this morning when I looked at it, but I saw it open at 42.5. It got all the way up to 45.5, and and then I saw it some places at like 44 right now, but it's pretty clear that Vegas is not 100% sure what to do 
with the Murray injury. I think like LaMarcus Aldridge is, you know, we know who he is, but they only had nine games of Kawhi Leonard last year. So replacing nine games of Kawhi with 82 of DeMar DeRozan seems like an upgrade. Sure, sure. So I feel good about that. Uh, I Losing Kyle Anderson stinks a little bit. Uh, he was a really versatile guy for them on the wing, but I like Jakobuita. Like I said, I think he's going to be a, a pretty good second unit rim protector for them because Powell's not really that guy anymore defensively. So it'll be interesting. The team has a very odd roster. What do we get from Derek White when Lonnie Walker's healthy? You know, he's got a knee thing six to eight weeks. Like, what do they get from Lonnie Walker? No Danny Green, no Tony Parker, no Kawhi Leonard, no Manu Ginobili. It's just, it's a different Spurs team. I'm betting a little bit more on Greg Popovich than I am on their actual roster. But I think they'll be a very tough out. I feel like picking him tenth is is really low. Like I'm going to laugh when they win fifty. Oh, absolutely. Games you know what? I'm already reg- yeah. I'm already regretting it. I'm already regretting taking Minnesota over San Antonio because it's it's the winning is in their muscle memory. You know, regardless of the roster, and it kind of reminds me of Utah last year where you lost Gordon Haywood. Everyone's thinking they might not make the playoffs, but the culture, the coaching, the defense is already there. It's just guys fitting in, almost like the Patriots. Like I I I agree. I think they're more likely to make the playoffs than miss. I just don't know if, you know, what their upside of this particular team is. I can't imagine them winning 50 games, but it is hard to imagine them being below 500. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. That's absolutely correct, Uh, in my opinion. So now we're getting to teams. I think the top 10 are all teams that could realistically make the playoffs at least. Um, Now more of a long shot. But one team that I'm going to kind of go off the board won 22 games last year. With the 11th pick, I'm going to take the Memphis Grizzlies. Ah, that was yeah, that's good. Um, I thank you. <laughs> and uh, doing something right. This was they're gonna have to win sixty for me to win this wins pool. But I just think you know you talk about muscle memory. I, I think they weren't trying last year. Conley played twelve games, and hopefully he's back. Remember, he's only thirty years old. It's not like he's over the hill. He's younger than Chris Paul by multiple years. Yeah, so as long 30, as he Marcus Hall is thirty three, so it's not like these guys are toast. Right, and I, we talked about it before. I love the secondary pieces they got. I like slow-mo Kyle Anderson. I like Omri Caspi. Maybe Chandler Parsons gives you something. There's a lot of smart basketball players on this team. I, I, just, I think they have something there, and it's certainly not a team that's going to come out of the gates tanking. They're going to try, and I think that's going to lead them towards 500 pace for a while, and it just depends if their health holds up. But I, I think they're a sneaky bet to be in the mix. Yeah, my only concern with the Grizzlies is if things go south early, they're going way south. Like I, I said this before, I said this last week. If early they're good, I think they're going to be in the mix. Uh, I don't. I have no idea if JB Bickerstaff's a good coach. By the way, I don't know that we've ever seen him in a situation where we've. He's been interim coach twice. So you know, in Houston, the situation was just abysmal. You know, Howard and and uh, James Harden hated each other, and then here last year, no Mike Conley. Just what do you do? So. I like it. Uh, I like I said. I just if you get something out of Chandler Parsons, this team could be pretty damn good. I'm going to take the Clippers with my next pick. Their backcourt is somewhat exciting from a defensive standpoint with Beverly and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, they do have some interesting pieces with like, you know, I, I think that the, the Clippers are just a team that like, you know, you, you've got Lou Williams who can really score it. They drafted Jerome Robinson, who I don't really like. But I don't know what really to make of this team. I'm not sure if they're ever going to really like just kind of burn it down because it feels like that's what they need to do. But they have Tobias Harris. They have Gortat. 
Uh, you know, they've got Sundarius Thornwell seemed okay. They've still got Danilo Gallinari. This, they've got Mike Scott. You know, I don't know. It feels like they win 38 games. Like, it feels like they're as mediocre of a team as there is in the league. And it's unusual. It's unusual for a team to pursue mediocrity and have, like, competent vets. Yeah, if Avery Bradley can really guard, I mean, their backcourt is interesting. Like I said, it's, it's Pat Beverly, it's Avery Bradley, it's Lou Williams, it's Shea Gilgis-Alexander, it's Jerome Robinson, it's Milos Teodosic. Individually, like, I think I would enjoy watching all those guys play, how they decide to play them and how they decide to play as a team. Gallinari's going to get hurt because he's Danilo Gallinari, so we'll pencil him in for 48 games, but... Like I said, this this to me feels like the most like bland. Just like, you know, you go to a restaurant and someone orders like chicken and you're like, what are you doing, guy? Like, that's what the Clippers are to me. This is just like, oh, yeah, there's no other game on. I guess I'll watch the Clippers, right. but I'm never. It's deciding. like a guy. It's a guy with like the hat that just says sports on it. Like if you just want to watch some basketball. Um, but you know what's interesting for them? I like all their secondary pieces. It's almost like they're a star away. And if, if I'm Kawhi Leonard in free agency or Jimmy Butler, like I can see the appeal. Like I'd rather go to the Clippers and be the main option with a decent supporting cast than go to the Lakers and be LeBron's whipping boy. I have no idea. I have no idea what the numbers are for Kawhi to end up with the Clippers. But to me, they've got to be the heavy favorite to land Kawhi Leonard. I, and it could happen soon. I mean, you never know. It could, certainly Jimmy Butler could happen soon. And, and Tobias Harris would be an interesting piece to send back to Minnesota, one that kind of fits them. Um, so if, for my pick, I have Minnesota 9, so I, I'm hoping that they get something back. Um, so you have the Clippers at 12. That's a good pick. Um, I'm going with another team that reminds me of Memphis in the Dallas Mavericks. They're, they only won 24 games last year, but their point differential was negative 3 only, which kind of indicates they were, you know, barely losing games on purpose to get a high pick. And they got one, and they traded up for Doncic. Uh, there's, and they added DeAndre Jordan. There, there's interesting pieces on paper here. I think, you know, in the East, I would be high on their chances of competing for a playoff spot. I agree with that. Uh, um, same with Memphis. It just happens to be these teams are in the West right now. and It's a long shot. But I kind of like what they're doing. It depends if, if Dennis Smith Jr. is ready to take a leap and become an efficient basketball player. It might be too early for that. It might never happen. But if he can be a competent starting level point guard, I think there's enough pieces on this team to win 35 games. And and he actually may move off the ball. You know, they, they may play Luka on the ball more. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess the question is how healthy is Harrison Barnes? What I mean, what have you heard about that? Well, I talk to him every day and he told me that he is ready to go. No, I have no idea. But I think he is key. I, I think he's one of the more underrated players. His versatility defensively and he's a guy who can blend in anywhere the reason i the reason i say that is because their wing depth is makes me want to throw up like outside of so so dirk's obviously not gonna be ready to start the year which is you know fine like dirk's still a quality nba player it's great but like once you get past like harrison barnes Doncic, and wes matthews who plays in those spots well and also you wonder about the will to win like this is still a team that i think their focus is going to be getting Doncic rookie of the year and making him a star. I could see that. Uh, I, and, and that's the way they could be relevant right away. But I, we'll see. I, I, I have a lot of confidence in Carlisle. If he wants to win, that he could pull three or four extra wins out of his ass. But um, I certainly like them more than the other teams on the board, Sacramento and, and Phoenix, which is going to be your last pick, one of the two. I'm going to take... 
I'm going to take the Sacramento Kings. They have the second lowest win total in according to Vegas. They have a very weird roster. I'm only going to take him because I want to talk about Harry Giles and I'm excited about him. Uh, if Harry Giles is healthy, he was the most talented player in his high school class, had three very serious knee injuries. And in the preseason, it's looking like we're going to see healthy Harry Giles. He's the type of guy that is an absolute lottery ticket. Not saying that he's going to be some sort of all-star, all-NBA player this year. He is capable of doing that in a couple years if he can stay healthy. So I'm going to take the Kings. I don't love their roster. It, it's it's very odd from the standpoint of like they have four centers. Them drafting Marvin Bagley made very little sense to me if they believed in Harry Giles. But you can play uh, those two guys with Scalabissier as a stretch five. They do still have Buddy Heald, who I think is is pretty good. Uh, I don't really know what to expect out of like, you know, Frank Mason and guys like that. I'm not really sure about their guard play. I just like them better than Phoenix because they're not doing stupid things like firing their GM a week before the season starts. Well, I think it's an interesting pick. And if people are listening this far, that's one of the more interesting picks going Sacramento over Phoenix. And because most people would do the opposite. Um, I kind of agree on Sacramento. They have some pieces. I actually like Bagley. I had him as like one of my top picks, the prospects in the draft, and actually the number one, although I might not admit to that in a few weeks because it's not looking good. But I just think he's a really high-motor, talented kid. And it it might be a Josh Jackson thing. He reminds me of Josh Jackson in the sense that it might take three or four years to fulfill that potential, but I just like their attitude. Like I don't dislike Marvin Bagley. Like I think he's good. I also made a mistake. Sorry. Vince Carter is playing for the... The Hawks, I think I, I mentioned him with the Kings. I'm not sure, but... Well, that changes no, everything. No, I, I, we might have to move them up a little. No, but what I'm yeah. saying with, with Bagley, the, the, the thing that always bothers me with, with teams and organizations, right? And, and I don't... I don't know. You know, I, there's a reason I'm not an NBA GM. I don't know how good Vladi Divac is at his job. I think Vivac is an absolutely, you know, over-his-head owner. He wants to do all these crazy things. But, like, they already have three guys that they've invested in that are that are fours or fives that are going to play a lot. Plus they have Zach Randolph who, you know, I'm assuming he's playing. Why is he there if he's not playing? Like, so to, to me, I don't understand why Bagley was the pick when, you know, you have De'Aaron Fox. So he's a really good defensive point guard or supposedly going to be a really good defensive point guard. And he's a very up-tempo guy who's not really a shooter. You have Buddy Heald playing next to him who can definitely shoot it. Like, you had every opportunity in the world to take a playmaker like Doncic, and it's fine. If you had Bagley ranked higher, just take the talent. But the issue is, like, if Harry Giles is good and Marvin Bagley is good, like, those guys can't play together. So No, absolutely. And that was my fear with the fit with Bagley is he, you know, he played power forward in college. You know, really, um, Wendell Carter was the, the pivot guy down low. I liked him as a five. I thought he was the, one of the reasons I like him. Yeah, I mean, he he's what you kind of want. People got on his case for not blocking enough shots or not having a lot, long enough arms. But I'm like, if I want a modern center, I want an agile guy who could you know hang on a switch. And Bagley had that. The one thing about Marvin Bagley, for sure, is that he's going to play with a super high motor at all times. He's an unbelievably good out-of-area rebounder. There are people that believe he's going to be able to to be in, you know get the ball and ball screens at some point. There are people who believe he's going to be a capable corner three-point shooter. I don't know that. I think he's going to overwhelm some guys with his athleticism. But like I said, and I don't mind it. Like if you had Bagley ranked higher, like sure, go get talent. I just don't, like I said, I didn't understand the fit at the time. And, you know, I don't know what they do. You put yourself in an awkward situation if Bagley's going to be really good and Giles is going to be really good. 
then you're you're having to decide like okay who can we play for what amount of minutes and so like the roster flexibility with the kings doesn't make a ton of sense to me when they're so weak at the guard spot no absolutely and it's kind of a mess of a plan we saw on vladi's whiteboard he really doesn't know what he's doing but um but you've picked him you picked him over phoenix who clearly doesn't know what they're doing either they don't have a gm in the chair um I kind of like their their moves, to be honest. I like the coach. Um, Aiton looks like he's going to be the real deal. The The roster around him makes sense. The one thing they're clearly missing is a point guard. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot of losses this year. But I like I actually like their long-term prospects. Yeah, and I think part of that's that you're pretty high on Josh Jackson moving forward. Uh I think the issue is they've got some dead weight. Yeah, their guard situation is is really bad. Aiton, if he cares, is going to be really good. I, I think that he is a modern center in the sense that he reminds me a little bit of like Joel Embiid, like he can make jump shots. I don't know what to do with Devin Booker. He's a tremendous scorer. He has playing on a terrible team. They're paying him a ton of money. I don't know if Devin Booker is – I don't think it's going to be an Andrew Wiggins contract because I'm very certain Devin Booker is going to be able to score a ton. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know, Zan. Like, I don't know that I think Devin Booker is one of the 25 best players in the NBA. Well, I think he's hurt a lot by, you know, there's so little we know about defensive impact. And we always use, at least I use, like, ESPN's real plus minus and Booker's terrible and Andrew Wiggins was terrible. But the more you dig into it, the more you realize, like, it's very team dependent. Like, everyone on the Spurs grades really well. Like Kyle Anderson grades really well. Davis Bertans is a great defender, according to ESPN Real and Plus Minus. So in that way, I kind of defend Devin Booker. He's playing defense alongside his big men last, you know, had no awareness and no real, you know, like Marquise Chris is, you know, your shot blocker down low fouling everybody. Your defense isn't going to be that good. I think he's a he's a pure shooting guard. I think if they add a, a solid point guard next to him and Aiton's the real deal, um, I think he's fine. I mean, his, he's not as good as his points per game might suggest, but I, I think he'll live up to that contract. Yeah, I didn't actually realize how bare their uh, point guard position was. They have a bunch of win- they have they have a bunch of interesting pieces. Just just to be totally honest with you, like I uh, I don't really know what to make of like Dragon Bender's probably a bust. Like Tyson Chandler doesn't really make sense. Like a Rizal on a one year deal is interesting, but I'm okay with how, having veterans on your team to kind of teach young guys how to win. But yeah, they have zero. They have no point guard. I think they're going to shoot it a ton. You know, they got guys like Troy Daniels. Like, I think they are really just going to jack up shots. I, I like TJ Warren. I think people who haven't watched him play, like he's a really good scorer. But I, I don't know. It, again, it feels like these the, the Kings and the Suns are the only two teams that if you said to me, make a case for them to make the playoffs, I could do it, I think, for every other team in the West. I couldn't do it for these two teams. It feels like... And it's okay. Like, and, and I think Ryan McDonough, there was some report that he got fired because he didn't find a point guard. And the point guard depth chart is the worst in the league by far. But if, from my perspective, what does it matter right now? As you said, they're clearly not going to win. And there's a couple point guards that I really like looking ahead for them next year. Tyus Jones, DeLon Wright are free agents. Like guys like that could come in, be affordable, be your fifth starter, and really add to the cohesion of that, that lineup. I, I'm high on their prospects long term. Clearly, you know, they don't it doesn't make sense right now. I think they're gonna win. Their over under is twenty nine and a half. Seems high. Um, if we're thinking they don't have a point guard and they're not gonna acquire one. 
Um, but they're, they're going to be a fun team to monitor in the future. All right. That's the draft. We've, we did it. We got through all 30 teams. And just to recap, in the East, Tyler took Boston first. I had Toronto. Uh, then you, you jumped off the board. Milwaukee at three ahead of Philadelphia, who I got at four. That was a bold pick. I like it. Then you took Indiana at five. I had Washington at six. And again, sleeper pick, seventh place, Charlotte, Tyler took. And I took Detroit at eight. And Miami fans are sitting there at nine. They're not happy with us so far. They've already unsubscribed. In the West, I took Golden State one. You took Houston two. I took Utah three. Four, you went again, sleeper pick, Denver, another savvy pick. Uh, Five, Oklahoma City for Zan. Uh, Six, you went the Lakers and LeBron. Seven, Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. Eight, Portland. And then I took maybe the bonehead move of the draft, Minnesota over the Spurs. Who knows? We'll see what happens with Jimmy Butler. But certainly eight, nine, ten. That's going to be an interesting range. And then we also have some dregs that we're not paying too much attention to. But good draft. I think you're the favorite in Vegas. Um, but I have a, a puncher shot. The West, uh, the, the the bottom of the West should be really, really interesting. Uh, this is the only episode we'll probably do in this particular format, just as a preview show. So we will be back every Thursday. Obviously, the NBA starts Tuesday night. Uh, I believe we have Celtics Sixers to start and then uh, Warriors Thunder. So two really good games on thir- on Tuesday night next week, uh, opening night. But we will typically be going over just different highlights in the NBA and then do a couple segments uh, at the end of episodes. But like Zan said at the beginning, I am Tyler Laurie. He is Zandrick Ellison. On Twitter, we are at CYS Tyler and at... I believe Zan, if I'm Zan right. Ellison. Zan Ellison. Zan underscore Ellison. There's somebody else with Zandrick Ellison. And I want to find you and kill you. That's my plan for a second. We episode. got, we'll know we made it when you can make your Twitter handle at Zandrick. Once it just can be that, we'll know the show is really popular. Uh, for everybody listen, if you like what you heard, please do subscribe on iTunes and uh, leave us a five-star rating. If you don't like what you heard, you can still leave us a five-star rating and you don't ever have to listen again. That's the best part about podcasts. As always, as I say on my other shows, create your shot. If you leave us reviews, that drives us up the ranks. That gets us some ad money and some sponsorships and things like that. And we can do some cool giveaways and maybe get some guests on the show in the future. But episode one, Zan, I think it was an absolute smashing success. And I am really excited. Well, you would. We you, had, you had better picks. And in the future, we'll, it'll be shorter than this. We'll be quicker hitting than this. We'll keep an eye on like MVP stuff. Is Jarrell Martin going to win? Is it going to be LeBron? We'll keep track of all the big stories. Jarrell Martin at plus 500,000 is a better value than people think. Like you just go, you walk into the William Hill or the Westgate or whatever, and you put down a dollar on Jarrell Martin. Trust me, that that pays off more than you think. So I am Tyler Laurie. He's Andrew Gellison, and we will see you next Thursday. Thanks as always for listening.